This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's going on, wrestling fans? So glad you could join us from wherever you may be for episode 96 of Top Rope Nation. My name is Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com. You can find my work there. I'm joined by Kyle Ross, Justin Joint. We're here to break down all the latest in the pro wrestling industry as we do each and every week. Uh, I don't know how you guys are feeling tonight, but Kyle... I just injected half of a six-pack and a pound from our good friends at Taco John's. I'm feeling real good tonight, Kyle. How are you doing out there in Cleveland? I had my chance to do the same over the weekend on my way back from Cincinnati. I was very happy. <laughs> my daughter is a, my daughter is a huge Potato Olay fan. Oh, she's yes. She's kind of working on tacos. She just, like, opens it up and just picks out of it. But, yeah, she was mowing Potato Olays. Raise them right, my friend. Yeah. Raise them Pop right. Popping them like a college, like college kids do Molly, man. You know. What I'm saying? <laughs> uh, well, I did enjoy the uh, the picture you had of yourself and your daughter at Taco John's. Had to give a shout out to our friends at Taco John's. It's been a while. Oh, what a restaurant! That's the Kyle it, Ross signature restaurant, right there. It goes all the way back to that first food truck in Cheyenne, Wyoming, <laughs> nineteen sixty nine. <laughs> this is from our text thread. We were having a history of Taco John's earlier tonight. Uh, Justin Joint also on the line. Justin, was the last time you had Taco John's? I think pretty recently. Yeah, I think it was like a, a week ago. I sent you guys a picture of it. Um, Lunch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. Other than they forgot my freaking mild sauce, so I, was, uh, I was pretty livid about that. The green packet. That's what I had tonight. Good stuff. So uh, wrestling-wise this week, guys, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. Maybe this is just the feeling of the general public, but uh, we know ratings have been down for WWE, at least conventional ratings. And uh, I'm just feeling a little burned out <laughs> lately on the pro wrestling product. I, don't, I think Justin's not in his head. I mean, I just... WrestleMania is over. There's nothing going on that really draws my interest that much. I mean, I've been I've been tuning in because it's my job to tune in. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's just in this kind of like down period right now. And I'm glad there's some major news stories to break down this week on our broadcast. So make sure you don't tune out with that being said. But uh, television-wise, I just, I just feel like there's not a lot to talk about. So, Justin, you have the kind of similar thoughts going on right now? Yeah, I actually... Uh... Instead of watching Raw on Monday, I rewatched uh, episode three of Game of Thrones, and uh, Tuesday I watched the Celtics. But yeah, I mean, it just it, to me, it, the television just feels like they're not taking it all that seriously. So why should we? Or maybe not seriously is the right way, but just 
it doesn't feel like anything important is happening or that they don't there's something chaotic going on there like you guys were really down on robert rude winning last week beating ricochet which it didn't really bother me but then you follow that up with ricochet just all of a sudden getting in money in the bank and robert rude's not even on television so it's just oh i've got that in my notes too yeah it's just weird just like if it's not important to them why should it be important to us yeah all i gotta say is it's pretty cool given what you guys have just said that we have in our notes here discussion post mania wwe malaise i can't wait to get to that i have thoughts and (laughs) you both are kind of hitting at something you know and it's really interesting if you look at the history of the company other than 1996 to 2000 there always was a post wrestlemania malaise people don't remember that yeah, I feel like 98 was kind of hot. I mean, you well, had the yeah, the new which, DX form. Which falls between the period of 1996 and 2000. Like oh, I, I thought said. you were saying between that period and it always no, happened. No, that was the only period where it went up. Yeah. Generally, like, I mean, you know, they didn't even run. I mean, like in the quote unquote old days, like in the 80s, they didn't even like they, you know, would take time off from out, running house shows after Mania. They'd give the guys a little time off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know. Starting with WrestleMania 17 and that idiotic decision to turn Steve Austin heel, you know, there's always been a post-Mania decline. And, you know, we'll get to that a little bit later on. It's a little bit of a tease. But, yes, the the company is in an absolute malaise and traditional metrics are down. Yeah. Well, guys, we do want to say, before we go any further, that if you are enjoying the show this week and every week, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. We read the reviews on the air. We didn't have any new ones coming this week, so I don't have anything to read. So head on over to iTunes. Leave us a review. Uh, same thing goes for Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Google Play. You know, subscribe, leave us a five star. We appreciate that. And we are streaming tonight, as always, each and every week as we record live the exclusive video stream of this week's broadcast going out on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. If you want to join us each and every week, $1 a month gets you access to our exclusive live video streams. You get the show before the general public. You get the video stream. You could be seeing the fantastic T-shirt that Kyle Ross is wearing on the show this week. That's a tease. You'll have to subscribe on Patreon to see what I'm talking about. Um, uh, And then we also have a $5 tier. The $5 tier comes with a free sticker. Top Rope Nation sticker comes with access to exclusive shows like Top Rope Nation Classics, which we're going to be talking about later on in this broadcast, Top Rope Nation Extra. Justin and I recorded one of those about a week and a half ago discussing our recent trip to the Jake Roberts live show. So if you want to hear those exclusive shows, the $5 a month tier. And we got to give a shout out to our friend out in New Jersey, Mr. Kyle Ryan, who is a new patron of the show this week. Very appropriate name. Yeah, Kyle Ryan. Sounds like a fake name because we got Kyle and Ryan on the show, but it is not. Kyle Ryan, uh, our good buddy, he tweets at us on Twitter all the time, and uh, yeah, he's been a longtime listener to the show, so we definitely appreciate his support. So join Kyle, join our buddy Derek Chappelle and everyone else that's on Patreon, and join us every week in the exclusive live chat as we record the show. So guys, the big story everyone's talking about, and if you're listening to the show on YouTube, you see the main image of the broadcast this week has a little bit of an Ace Ventura theme to it, because as you know, Dean Ambrose is John Moxley. John Moxley is Dean Ambrose. Guys, what did you think of the video 
that the artist formerly known as Dean Ambrose posted to his Twitter account. How fired up were you when you saw that, Justin Joint? I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I don't think I was quite as hyped as the uh, internet, but um, it's definitely one of those things where you watch and it's like, how, how can WWE not put out these kind of vignettes? Yeah, it's uh, this is what everyone always wanted to see that followed his uh, indie career, like this kind of a flair from his character that we never really yeah. got in WWE. But uh, very appropriate that he's breaking out of prison. <laughs> yeah, it's like breaking out of the prison of WWE creative. Yes, that was quite the metaphor, definitely. Uh, Kyle, what did you think? He was running from a big dog too. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like somebody else tweeted that. Oh, if you look at this was being facetious. I mean, if you look closely, he was also running from a man with a small penis. But that's you know whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought that was incredible work. If you don't get that, that's probably for the best. But um, Justin made a great comment on our text thread before the show, you know, in, as far as, oh, you know, why doesn't WWE do these kind of vignettes? If this vignette, this obviously it would not have mocks on it, right? But if this very same vignette aired on WWE television, like hyping his return from an injury, would anyone be as excited about it? No, absolutely yeah, not. And, yeah. and, and when I was saying, and when I was saying, why can't WWE the WWE do something like this? I'm talking more like the quality of it because it looks really well done. Whereas a lot of times, uh, WWE's looks a little bit corny. I mean, you think back to like the the Randy Orton burning Bray Wyatt shack down. I mean, that's just bad. I, I miss that. Can we? They need to air that again, just randomly. Take us back. <laughs> And then the pose. The pose was unbelievable. Uh, now, there is a report from Ryan's good friends at Slice Wrestling um, that, yeah. that WWE, and we don't know whether this is true, that WWE apparently had a hand in producing this and that while the artist currently known as John Moxley will be taking some indie dates, eventually he's going to be coming back. What do we think about that report? It sounds like hogwash to me. Uh, you know, Kyle said my good friends, because I said before the show that that website has a little bit of a sketchy reputation for accurate news stories. And I'm not sure I buy that one. I got to say, I, I don't think I buy it. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, I guess, but they no, didn't. I don't see it. They gave him one of the nicer send offs they've given anybody. Well, I'm sure they want him back someday. I mean, now there's a situation where there is competition, so they want him to come back. It's not like before where guys left and it was like, oh, you'll be back someday because there's nowhere else to go. There's an actual alternative where you can make big money now. So, Okay, where's he, where's he going to go? AEW. Uh, no doubt, yeah. And also, I, I was going to say, when was the last time they lost a star of this magnitude? And he also wouldn't have gotten that kind of send-off if he hadn't been part of the Shield. That's true. That's true. That's true. Because you want to keep the other two guys happy uh, who are, you know, cornerstones of each brand. So uh, Joey Janela has been sending out both subtle and not so subtle tweets in regards to Ambrose recently. People have retweeted it and pointed it out. And there have been people who have been kind of pointing towards this next PWEG show, the Mystery Vortex show, which those who are unfamiliar with it. It's a complete mystery card, as the name suggests. No matches are announced. No, no talent is announced. A lot of people are saying, uh, you know, will Dean, and that's next weekend. I think it's next Friday. 
out in LA. There are people kind of alluding, oh, is that going to be Ambrose's first date? And would would it be against Joey Janela? Because Janela, I think it was April 28th, he had a tweet, can't believe what I just saw. And then he was like one of the first people to retweet the Ambrose vignette. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, there, there might be something there. I don't know if it's a guarantee he goes to AEW right away. I, somebody obviously helped produce that video. Did you see Cody Rhodes liked it and then unliked it? No, I didn't know that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm. that's maybe he just maybe he didn't decide. Maybe he thought about it and decided he didn't like the video anyway. <laughs> I See, at this point, I would be shocked if he doesn't appear at Double or Nothing, at least like in the crowd or something. You know, well, here's the thing: if he signs with AEW, that's going to be a commitment, right? Does he want to commit long term to something, or does he want to do kind of what Cody did initially and just jump around and kind of be in control of his own destiny? I think that's something to think about. I think AEW would be so happy to get him that they would allow him him. to go jump around. I think so too. And also in that, in that vignette, uh, I don't know if anybody noticed, they show a picture of the wall of the Viper room. I Mm -hmm. believe it was. And there's dice with uh, a two and a five on the, on the dice. So it, dice have been part of the promotion for double or nothing and it's on the 25th mm-hmm. where's the viper room located though la yes. mystery vortex yeah there you go so i don't i mean who knows it, the bottom line is it got people talking and to justin's earlier point it really did feel like man when was the last vignette on wwe television that got people talking like this and it's been a long time was it the uh, God? I forgot his name already. The Funkasaurus. <laughs> How weird was that? Well, you're not going to go with the Funhouse, Justin. Uh, I actually like the Funhouse. I know uh, you do. That's why I brought it. Up. That was the only thing I, I made sure I got online to watch that this week. No, that was about did, it. Did he? Do we think he's going to drop that character once he starts wrestling? Like it seemed like, and we're we're shifting gears totally now, just to help follow people. That this isn't a Viceland documentary. Um, where we'll actually help our we'll help we'll help our listeners follow along. Um, you know, like he kind of was doing this like this subtle thing where it's like, oh, I've been bad. Like you know, it's almost like he's going to drop this facade once he starts wrestling again. You know, it, there were some elements where it's like, yeah, this is tongue in cheek. If you watched carefully to that second one. Yeah, uh, I could see that. I mean, they can't possibly think that they could continue this long term. I mean, is, are they going to have them wrestle in that freaking sweater? I was, yeah, I was wondering. Well, I, I do love the rambling rabbit. What a nice callback to his rambling promos he gave. <laughs> WWE <laughs> also loves alliteration. <laughs> let's, uh, before we shift completely though, while we're talking AEW, let's talk about the television situation. I think this makes the third week in a row now where we have talked to AEW TV and maybe we'll know something you know, finalized coming this month, probably at double or nothing would be a good time to announce it. But I know there's some television conventions happening this month where maybe we'll find out something. But uh, Kyle, you had something that was recent, I think this morning from uh, Observer Radio you wanted to get into. Yeah. So Meltzer, who and and by the way, I thought his lead story in the Observer this week was quite fair. I thought I I thought it was it was well done. Um, But it's really funny he he made this aside in the Observer where he's like, 
oh, you know, I wonder if these sagging WWE ratings, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, folks, so stay tuned, are going to have an effect on AEW. And then he took it a step further on the radio show this morning and was like, oh, well, you know, if I'm AEW, I want to get pen to paper right away and get this TV deal before, you know, WWE's ratings have this industry-wide effect on wrestling and all of a sudden maybe we don't get a better deal. And immediately the anti-Meltzer forces pounced on it and were like, oh, look, Dave's making excuses maybe that this AEW deal may not be what we thought it was. That's so interesting I, because could could you also make the argument if people are t- if they're tuning out of WWE that AEW could draw them in? So Meltzer, and this is what I liked in, in the Observer. He had a discussion. Okay, do the WWE's declining ratings indicate a lack of interest in pro wrestling or a lack of interest in WWE? I think it's a lack of interest in WWE. I think the interest in pro wrestling is always there. You talk to people that were fans as kids or, you know, fans during the Attitude Era or whatever, and it feels like people always kind of check in on it. Like, if you were ever at all kind of a hardcore wrestling fan, it feels like he he never kind of like the Shawshank Redemption. You never completely get away. You know what I mean? Like, I know even the periods where I wasn't tuning in on the regular as much, like, I was still checking the news sites here and there, and I could tell you who held the titles and what was going on, even if I wasn't catching TV weekly. And I feel like those people are kind of always out there and they're possible targets that you can pull in if you've got something hot. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the television networks are interested in AEW. They sparked all this conversation in the fall with All In. And uh, they've got an incredibly popular YouTube series. They have awesome merchandise that's been selling for years now. I mean, their, their merchandise... Word of mouth wise, and I guess excitement. If you look online, you mean, it's always you mean been the box. You mean yeah, the box? Yeah, okay. You're and not Cody and the okay, yeah. and, and Omega, well, like all the guys in charge. Uh, their merchandise for years has surpassed anything WWE's been putting out, and so like they have this pop cultural phenomenon feel about them, where I can see why businesses think you give them a bigger platform, and this thing can really take off. So I. I don't know. I think I think the the interest in wrestling is there. You just got to pull those people back into the fold. The interesting thing, though, is you know we've been led to believe that there are multiple deals on the table for AEW, and you know Meltzer's kind of like, oh well, you know, I mean, is it up in the air? I mean, we don't know. Obviously, what it is. I mean, it doesn't seem like the deal's done, though. Correct. Yeah, it sounds like there's two deals that they had been mulling over from. The yeah, start but I mean, it's kind of weird, like you know. For Meltzer, like, kind of to do this, you know, I want to say 180, but, you know, for him to be like, oh, you know, man, all of a sudden these ratings could have a real negative impact on AEW. Do we buy that? Hmm. I mean, like, let's say, let's say it's Turner. Turner's like, you know, looks at the quarterly report for WWE, sees the ratings from this past week, and, you know, are they, is it conceivable that they would get cold feet about wrestling when they look at what WWE's ratings are doing? Well, we've we've talked about this story that was out there about them buying in time on the network or if they're actually getting paid. Uh, and I think we all kind of agreed that the them buying time thing seemed like bullshit. So if they're getting paid, you know, to produce the content and they're making money off the deal, which I would think, I think it's feasible they could get a lower money offer, like the offer could be dropped if they haven't signed on the dot, dotted line. I don't think the network would completely pull out, though. And I I also feel like, 
it's got to be TBS or TNT at this point. There's so much smoke behind all of that that it feels like that's that's the deal. I mean, don't you guys feel like that's where they're headed? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's where they want to be, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so much smoke there. There's got it's, there's got to be something. That's that's the way I feel about it. And I could feel I could see that the uh numerical amount of the dollars they're being offered that could possibly fluctuate but i don't think the offer would get pulled i i just do not foresee that happening well yeah i don't think it would get pulled i just you know all of a sudden you know maybe they don't get up they don't get as sweet a deal yeah as they no, i think that's for. i think that's feasible especially okay. if they haven't been signing signed yet and this offer has been out there for a while and they're wondering why they haven't signed it so yeah i i, I could see that but um do you guys think we're going to hear this month for sure? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there was some Turner, like, you know, the original report that linked him to Turner. There's like some up front this month, correct? Yeah, and that's I, I believe, soon, too. It's like on the yeah. front half of the month, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, it's before Double or Nothing. I mean, I, you would assume they would announce it at the very latest at Double or Nothing, what they're going to do with TV. So, yeah, absolutely, it'll be this month. We're going to find yeah. out the TV season. Yeah, you can't have your first show and not announce TV. That That's when they're going to have the most eyes on them. So, you would think for sure at Double or Nothing would hear something. So, um, let's see. What else did we want to get into? We got the Leo Rush thing to talk about. Did you want to talk about the Stacey Irvin Jr. story, Kyle? I read yes, up I, in a little bit. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because, I mean, this guy, I don't know if you guys got to He worked NXT TV once. Yeah. And there had been just a lot of talk uh, coming out of the PC about uh, his potential. And for those who don't know who Stacey Irvin Jr. is, he's a male gymnast. He is the boyfriend of Simone Biles, obviously a very famous uh, female gymnast for the United States. And he kind of came in with, you know, some hoopla, obviously, based on that in the signing. And there was a lot of hype from him. He, I mean, his moonsault that he did on that match, I cannot remember how many weeks ago it was on NXT TV, but I had heard about it. The height he got on the moonsault, and it was impressive. This boots. So, I mean, as, as far as like a pure athlete like that, and, you know, we talk about this a lot. The number of success stories, homegrown talent out of that PC, probably is not as high as they want it to be. He was a guy, I think, that was you know, for those, you know, who want to, um, you know, kind of, and obviously everyone in WWE wants to, but, you know, you, people who want to make it, who want the PC to make a name is what I'm saying. Stacey Irvin Jr., I mean, this guy was a prospect and he quit. And what was interesting, he got a concussion and he was, you know, he kind of was like, eh, I don't know if this is for me. But yeah. what was interesting about this story that was shared on Twitter and I read it and, and I shared it with you guys. It was on NBC sports actually went into um, Irvin. Uh, maybe we should, I, we, one of us should retweet it so people could follow along too. What else the show, but you know, it, it just talked about Stacey Irvin, how he got involved with WWE, his training, the concussion decision to quit. But what was interesting is this quote right here, just before Irvin decided he wanted to walk away, he tuned into John Oliver's last week tonight segment on the WWE and how it takes care of its wrestlers. Quote, when I watched that, I wasn't blown away, Irvin said. This is exactly what I'm going through. Uh, you know, and he says he remains a WWE fan and whatnot, but I, I, I found this story kind of fascinating because, hmm, that God, St that Stacey Irvin Jr. is a guy they absolutely would have wanted to cultivate and push as a star, and now he's gone. And the Allah, and you know him, 
you know, it's one thing to, you know, a guy from a different sport sustaining a concussion. Like, oh, I don't like this. You know, I'm going to concussion this early. But, you know, the Oliver piece having an effect on him, I thought was was pretty fascinating. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. Um, yeah, it's interesting because he talked about risk and reward and he kind of felt like there was other things he could do with his life that uh didn't have as high risk as pro wrestling so that that injury situation certainly spooked him from uh continuing forward yeah god i i really wish i could remember the week i mean he was in a tag mat i think he was in a tag with umberto carrillo and god this moonsault looked great i mean you hate to like you know just you know go off the deep end because of one moonsault but god he got a lot of height on this thing yeah I, I remember not being – I haven't been that excited about a moonsault since Great Muda in 1989. <laughs> I am re, I am tweeting out the link to this article from NBC Sports as we speak. So if you want to read the article about this we're talking about, it's on my Twitter feed, at Historical Ryan, and you can check that out. But it, it is an interesting story, and uh, what could have been, I guess. I mean, he said in the article that uh, he's going to keep his wrestling tights and his wrestling boots – kind of as a souvenir, but who knows? Maybe he'll try it again at some point in the future. Maybe at least on a smaller scale. Yeah, hold on. on. Uh, okay, it was on the February 13th episode. Him and Umberto against the Street Profits uh, was the match. All right, February 13th. Look it up on the award-winning WWE Network. Uh, okay, let's talk Leo Rush. So this has, been, story this, this has been uh, in the news. I, I know I wrote an article about this over at comicbook.com at one point uh, with all the rumors going around about Leo Rush and rubbing people the wrong way backstage. Uh, if you haven't noticed, he hasn't been much a part of Bobby Lashley's act in recent yes. weeks. What an on again, off again thing that is. <laughs> Remember, they dumped him at the paper, the February pa- at Elimination Chamber, and then he came back with him. And now he's gone again. Yeah. So the stories out there where he's kind of overconfident backstage, like he thinks he should be one of the big stars or whatever. And okay. that was rubbing people the wrong way. And one of the things I found interesting about that is that's like the type of attitude they usually want out of pro wrestlers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and I also like right off the bat, God bless this man that he thinks he should be the top baby face on Raw. I can't think- do it unless he can believe it, man. So but, I like it. I love hearing this out of him. I don't agree with that i mean i don't I love, think he probably can be but why not believe like, it? i mean I that's what makes it. a guy great yeah he thinks he should be this inspirational underdog baby face and but yeah you're right if you don't think you're gonna be a top guy then you're not gonna be a top guy yeah so that story was out there there was a story about and he kind of disputed this in his comments which we're gonna get to but there's a story about him and finn balor having like some kind of argument because um, Leo Rush's wife travels with him and she was sitting in on like rehearsals where they're rehearsing the matches. And supposedly Balor had told them like Vince might not like that your wife's sitting in on all these match rehearsals. And they had a little argument or spat and that added to his heat uh, and his comments though, that Leo Rush gave to Fightful's Sean Ross Sapp. He kind of disputed that him and Balor had any riff whatsoever He interestingly talked about how he's not making any money despite being in the biggest sports entertainment company in the world because he's paying all of his travel expenses. I mean, go back to the Sean or the John Oliver (laughs) segment. Here you go. He's paying all his travel expenses and, uh, you know, he's booking all his hotels. 
He's uh, getting treated like a rookie, which you do expect in the wrestling business, but he's kind of over that. There was a story about him in Europe where he was supposed to like haul everyone's water or something, and he didn't want to do that, and that supposedly got him some heat. Um, but, I mean, I think the guy has a point, you know? Like, if he's not making any money working for the WWE, it's got a billion-dollar uh, television contract with Fox, that sucks. And that's a situation where having a union in professional wrestling could be of benefit, obviously. And, um, yeah, he talked about how he's not getting a cut of any Bobby Lashley's merchandise, despite being part of the act, which that feels a little wrong, too. Uh, What were you guys' thoughts reading his comments with uh, Fightful.com, Justin? That money thing is just reeks of bullshit. Not being broke because he's having to pay for all his own stuff on the road. Is is he, like, by far the lowest paid superstar on the roster? Why isn't anybody else complaining about this sort of thing? Um, I don't know. Go go sit on the sidelines with Sasha Banks, Leo. Oh, oh, Jesus. Here we wow, go. Here we go. I mean, dude, sent directly from the office of Bruce Pritchard is just a joint. I I'm believe. sorry, man. If, if everybody who has gotten to that main roster has had to go through some of that, you know, carrying the luggage or whatever, suck it up for a little bit. And as far as like, you know, being confident, I mean, there's a line where that's great. You need that. But that entire roster is super confident in their abilities so there's a he's got to be doing it in a, in a very uh annoying way you know i work with somebody who thinks they're king shit and, and i can't stand them i don't want anything to do with them i know people that are confident in the you know their job and uh i love working with them so i i don't know that i don't think i can take leo rush's side on this one Listening to Justin Joyd's comments, did anyone start thinking about that 2002 Royal Rumble classic cocky by Kid Rock and the no. lyrics of that? No, no one did? Okay. Try, I've tried to block that one out of my okay. mind. Okay. Try, um, okay. <laughs> Let's go back to the very beginning with Leo because something that's like not talked about enough, I feel, in 2019 is the togetherness of the WWE locker room. You know, I mean, it used to be, remember, like, you know, it was such a big deal that there was the click, these five guys who were good friends and hung together. Like, I feel now, okay, there's some people who don't like each other. I mean, obviously, Sasha and Alexa come to mind. But, you know, it's kind of a pretty tight-knit locker room. You always get the vibe, like, more so than any other era in wrestling. Um, And Leo did not endear himself from the start. Remember when he first got signed and he got in all that hot water with the tweet about Emma when Emma got fired. Mm-hmm. Emma lost a, a match to Asuka, and then she got released. And, like, Leo tweeted, oh, I guess she wasn't ready for Asuka. And, like, the locker room lost its shit at him. Like, who? I think Peyton Royce. Maybe it was Seth Rollins. I know it was Peyton Royce. I apologize if it wasn't Seth Rollins. Else, but like they were all like, man, you've been here for a minute. You're tweeting that like, and he was like, oh, it was just a bad joke. And I, you know, I thought it was kind of, you know, I don't know Emma, so I've got no skin in the game. I, I thought the reaction was a little overblown. But the key here is people have not liked him from the start. And that's working against him. Um, and there's two issues. And they're, 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 set, they're connected, but they're separate. One is the sort of, rookie rituals what do we justin made his comments of that what do you think ryan i mean is this like outdated to have rookies do i mean or is it not a big deal 
it sounds harmless to me. You know, maybe there's bad ones that, you know, are he's actually pissed out that haven't come out. I would be against something like that. But, you know, carrying some water, some luggage, you know, whatever. Well, I'm going to read his comment on that. So because there had been some speculation it was because he's a black man and it looked bad uh, optically when they're over in Europe and he's the one carrying everyone's water. He said it's not about race. This is a quote. It's not about race and it has never been. But public perception is important to me. And when we have fans that travel all over the globe and watch us get off of buses and into hotels, the look of a black kid carrying waters and bags for other wrestlers is just not a good look, especially when I'm trying to portray myself as a superstar as well. Mark Henry already spoke out against. Yeah, him. and so did Booker T. Um, look, it sucks. I mean, the problem is whether Leo's right or not, I think he's just swimming upstream. Well, nobody's going to take his side over the company's. <laughs> you yeah, know, which is point which of is kind of shitty. You know, you talk about well, with no union. I mean, there you go. I mean, guys, I, well, I do believe that he could he could not be putting any money away though, because if his wife is traveling with him, she's probably not working, or if she is working, not full time, and so they're probably only on his income. And he's a guy that's probably not on a huge money deal. He's probably no, he, in the lower quarter of the company in money, and so he said about that. He said, my issue isn't with my on-screen role. My issue is the fact that I haven't been on meet and greets with Bobby, haven't been getting paid for merchandise for us that has my catchphrases on them. I've been sent to live shows and TVs and forced to pay for my own rental for five days, as well as hotel while not making enough money to do so. Walking around broke in the biggest sports entertainment industry that there is while having two kids and a wife to support. So the, the issue here is that he probably he made okay money on the indies but he probably wasn't putting away much either so he gets to wwe i'm sure he thinks he's going to start savings and, you know i think <laughs> we're all about the same age we all know that for our generation it's been hard to bank money and uh if his wife isn't working and it's just him and he's paying travel i can see how he's unable to save money well uh david bixon's fan tweeted something from a torch talk that shane douglas did um about 20 so years ago when Douglas said that the travel expenses were eating away at him and Shane had been in the business forever by 96 and he wasn't like clearing very much with his WWE deal um, back in 1996. So, you know, I don't know. There was a PW insider had a report today that he turned down a $300,000 deal. He meaning Leo Rush. So, and, and he wanted double that. So I don't know what his current deal is. But they offered him, you know, if you believe PW Insider, they offered him more money and he turned it down thinking he was worth more. So, again, I think he's just, he's not, he has a point that he might be underpaid. I mean, for anyone in the company, I mean, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Oh, maybe he's not saying he's not putting money away. You know, paying your travel expenses does add up. And the if he's not making any money in that for anyone any of the performers not to be making money in the company is wrong. Now, if it's something on the individual, it's on the individual. But if not, then you know the company needs to pay him more. Now, if they offered him more and he didn't take it, that's another issue. Uh, so I sorry I had to run away and plug in my computer. I was about out of battery here. What what's his current deal reportedly then money wise? I don't know. What it is. They recently okay. offered him a five-year deal making three three hundred three hundred thousand. That is really hard to believe. For a guy that's been a manager on screen, three hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, that's, I don't uh, believe that. 
that's mean, that sounds that's like a, the report that Sports Illustrated had with the Miz, where he was going to have the obscene contract. dollars a, a year. PW Insider. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're reputable, but man, I find that hard to believe. Three hundred thousand dollars a year okay. for a guy who's been walking out talking. So you're saying he should have taken that deal and not? Uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> yes. Mike. According to Mike Johnson, Leo Rush was offended and claims he should be making double. If this okay, if that's true, and he was offered three hundred thousand dollars a year, and he's complaining about being broke, obviously that's ridiculous. Uh, I, I was thinking this guy's making under a hundred thousand dollars right now a year yes. for sure. I, I, yes, yes. So if he's being offered three, yes, I would assume that it's probably seventy five. Yeah. I, well, it might even be lower because I've seen the lowest guys were at seventy five, and yeah, he's so, probably lower than that. If he's making seventy five a year he's right now, not, and he, he's probably not making seventy five a year. I'm assuming or I'm less. Say, if he's yeah, making okay, let's say he's making sixty grand a year, and he's traveling five days a week, paying his hotel. That's it's uh, that is easily believable then, and he's losing money mm-hmm. for sure. But three hundred thousand, I don't know about that. That seems that seems quite high for a guy that they haven't even had wrestling for the most part on the main roster but unless unless they got huge plans for this guy that would be man i wish the observer used to publish about what guys made i don't know if they still do that i haven't seen that in a long time but uh that'd be interesting to see where that number would rank and mike johnson is reputable you're right but that that shocked me because i have a hard time believing that i mean he is on the low end of the totem pole for sure leo rush i mean he's going to be one of the lowest paid guys um, but I like, you know, Justin didn't seem to. I like guy people. Com- we have folks complaining and sticking up for themselves now. We need more of that. I- I'm, I'm a big fan of that. People fighting for their spots. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't want it to get back to the Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash days of like 1998. But I mean, like, you know, I, I want to hear more people fighting for their spots. I, I like it, too. But I, is this going to help him at all? Is it going to no, help no, or hurt? No, no, it's not. You're right. I mean, it, there's a way it, to go about it where it actually might help you. Then again, knowing WWE, they should book him as like a top heel now who like is like <laughs> curried favor with the authority and is like is too good for the rest of the locker room. If the, all these stories that he goes directly to Vince and complains and guys get in trouble. They should just have him coming out like tossing money into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's just lying about it. Look how much money he actually has. And then, then on his way back, he like picks it up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we shouldn't joke about it. If the guy's really broke, we shouldn't joke about that. But uh, Jim Cornette loved him as a manager. I listened to Jim Cornette was gushing about Leo Rush as a manager on his podcast. And I, I really liked him in that role. It would be too bad um, if, you know, the guy is just, you know, sent out to pasture. Well, we all were glowing reviews when they put him with Bobby Lashley, and he's the best thing that ever happened to Bobby Lashley. Yes. WWE, yes. because you saw Lashley without Leo Rush is not good. No, <laughs> I mean, there's just no way to say it. I mean, he's just not good. I mean, he's not like a world beater with Leo Rush, but he stinks without Leo Rush. So he is. I mean, he's exactly he's part of the act. So Leo Rush not getting any of a cut of that merchandise. That's wrong. That is bullshit. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I agree I saw, with him. I saw some people on Twitter like, oh, good. Give him seven bucks, you know, that he's owed for Lashley merchandise. Well, you know, I mean, fuck it. If it's seven dollars, you should get it. I mean, it's the principle of the matter. He yeah. should be getting royalties he should be yeah so uh, i mean it's an interesting story and uh probably gonna be more that comes out with that so um what's next on our agenda luke harper 
Yeah, I, I just think, you know, people can go to the Observer and read this, but Vince McMahon, this is another fascinating thing because, so I'll, I'll kind of just speed through this. The up, This is straight from the Observer newsletter. The update on Harper's Vince McMahon in writing told him he wouldn't release him. He was earmarked to work, a pro- he being um, Harper, was earmarked to work a program with Sami Zayn after Mania, but the decision's been made not to do it. One person close to the situation told us he needs to get out, he, meaning Harper, because they made the call that they weren't going to use him after Vince saw him in his return. Vince said that he didn't, quote, get him and complained he couldn't even do a Southern accent. That was from them wanting to do a Southern accent four years ago. Uh, Harper regularly pitching ideas when he was out with an injury. They turned out every pitch. Wasn't booked anywhere after being cleared, but fan access. And then McMahon out of the blue wanted to know why Harper wasn't in the Battle Royal. So that's why he got put in the last minute. Apparently the end of the Battle Royal, but this is a total aside, and I thought this was interesting too. Uh, the end of that Mania Battle Royal was a mess as Strowman forgot his spots, which is one of the reasons that he hasn't done much since winning it. Uh, you know, Harper was booked to do the Zane program the day after Mania, but then was told after Mania he wasn't needed for TV, so he went home, but then was called to come back on Tuesday for a match with EC3. Uh, it was basically used as the opponent to test out the EC3 and Maverick pairing. Uh, the agent set up a bunch of manager spots in the match. Vince watched the match, hated it. Uh, creative, you know, the day of the draft, when it was asked about which brand Harper would be on, Vince said, how the guy can't even do a Southern accent. So the match with EC3 is bad. So they didn't put him on either brand. And that's when he asked for his release. So the here again, I've used this word several times in the last 20 minutes. Fascinating. Vince McMahon apparently has no faith in Luke Harper whatsoever. I don't even think he's any good. Yet is still willing to pay the man so he doesn't go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, AEW, I guess, right? But like, if he's not, if you don't think he's any good, why would you care that he didn't go? Like they let, Ty Dillinger go, who, you know, again, not to pick on Ty as we've done a lot of times, but like, you know, I didn't like Ty's a guy I, w- I had no problem with them letting walk because I don't think he's a difference maker. If you don't think a guy's a difference maker, then just let him walk. Why would you want to like spend money on him to just this, collect dust? This is the new theme, though. They're adding time on people's contracts now for time they missed with injuries. Multiple people this has now happened to. They don't want people to leave, it seems like. <laughs> but isn't that terrible for morale? I mean, I'm sure the guy yeah. has friends. I mean, even Randy Orton. Um, who, by the way, said some pretty funny tweets recently when he doesn't tweet about politics. He's actually quite good at Twitter. <laughs> Randy Orton's done quite a turn. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he's got friends. I mean, that can't be good for locker room morale To if this story gets out. Oh, yeah, we think you suck, but we're not going to let you go anywhere. Because yeah, they're I, clearly I, not using him for anything important. I don't yeah, know. And, and it just doesn't make sense. Like, this didn't happen. This is so new. To, to just, like, you know, I mean, if, if you don't think a guy's worth a damn, you know, if you don't think he has, you know, and, you know, I don't share that view for, I don't think any of us do, but if you don't think the guy's worth a damn, just let him go. Vince McMahon is an abusive boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, I guess. It's just like, <laughs> you know, why would you want to pay someone you think stinks? Like, it's one thing if you think the guy's good and you don't want him to go anywhere because you think he's a difference maker. But like, if you think he stinks, why just let him go, man? Yeah, it's that's their new mentality though lately. I mean, like I said, this is what's been happening. So it's it's unfortunate, and it seems like they can just kind of hold people hostage based on the injury situations. Oh, we're gonna add six months on your deal now, when people thought their contracts were gonna end six months before that. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. But yeah, it is 
awfully bad for morale. You'd also think it would scare people off from signing there. You know, if something does happen with AEW and they crack through and they become a legitimate, you know, long-term option for people and the company takes off, who's going to go to WWE if AEW is paying big money and they have the better morale? They've got a uh, less of a touring schedule like AEW is talking about. They got better benefits for the wrestlers and they don't pe- hold people hostage like this. So, Justin, did you have something? Uh, no, I think you guys, you know, hit the nail on the head, especially that last part was like, this just makes WWE look bad. You know, we get why they do it, but just, I mean, you guys aren't happy with him. He's unhappy. Let him go, especially at his age, too. It's not like he's some young buck. <laughs> yeah. it, it, this speaks, and we're going to talk about NXT, I know, in a second, real briefly. The lack of synergy between Vince and Triple H that exists. Like, if Vince doesn't get these guys, why are they under contract? Why are they signed? You know, NXT has a developmental function. You know, it's, you know, a lot of people said, ah, it's Triple H collecting a lot of indie toys and, you know, Triple H showing he can run a brand on his own. And that's fine. But it's also supposed to get people set for the main roster. And there has been an issue that's developed, I've mentioned on this show many times, um, it's especially true, I think, with an act like the revival as well, where you know Triple H should know better, kind of. And and is he selling these guys a false bag of goods? Does he just want to like preserve his white knight status in the company to the talent? Because like, if Vince doesn't get the character, why are they even employed? Yeah, <laughs> damn good point. Well said. You know, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it used to be that that was the case. Like Vince, you know, he would come in, you know, a guy would get signed. Vince would have his vision for the guy. That vision was in it, was employed. Now it's just like, did, did, does Triple H not tell him about these guys <laughs> when they're in NXT? I think that's a huge mistake. I mean, it goes back to the whole thing with the War Raiders name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking about. That name should be like, Okay, I get that everyone says Vince changes his mind willy-nilly, and that is a problem. If if so, but like, you know, if he doesn't like the word war, then they never should have been given that name mm-hmm. from the start. It should have been just changed from the beginning. Yeah. Well, speaking of NXT, let's talk about uh, a little bit of their direction heading into June. So uh, NXT TakeOver, which was supposed to be where in San Jose on June 8th, I believe, uh, has now been moved to June 1st, no location announced. Yeah, they're thinking Atlanta, though. Yes. Maybe mm-hmm. center so, stage. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was going to be in San Jose because San Jose had one of the first like really big house shows that drew thousands of people during Mania weekend in, uh, gosh, what was that, 2015? And so uh, this was going to be like a standalone takeover, not coupled with a WWE pay-per-view, but then they announced that they're having... Uh, the, the next Saudi Arabia show on what is it, the 7th or the 8th, something like that, that Friday, 7th, 7th, June 7th. And so they didn't want to produce two pay-per-view style shows, you know, halfway around the world from each other back to Mac days. So the San Jose show got scrapped. There's a whole other discussion we could get into. Uh, I'll probably be safe for a future episode about the Saudi Arabia deal, which they're doing yet again, um, which <laughs> We speculated on, I think, Kyle, you said a couple of weeks ago, they can't really follow through with this show, can they? But here they go again. They got a contract, unfortunately. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, um, 
you know, I don't know what the contract uh, entails, but I don't know. From their perspective, they're kind of making it seem like they've got to do it. Goldberg? Goldberg's going to be there. Brock Lesnar's going to be there. The Undertaker's going to be there. So uh, if you're interested in watching that show, Friday, June 7th. But NXT has been moved, apparently, to a week earlier. Uh, so they did tapings this week on Wednesday night. Anything big to cover from those, Kyle? Uh, it looks like the main event of tape. Spoiler alert. Back away if you don't want this. Um, it looks like it'll be Gargano versus Cole in a rematch, or maybe Gargano versus Cole versus Riddle uh, in a three-way for the title. There was also a ladder involved in Undisputed Era's promo, so maybe it would be a ladder match. Uh, the tag title situation was addressed, obviously, with the Viking Raiders now part of the main roster. Uh, there is going to be a four-way for the vacant NXT now vacant NXT titles. Interesting, they did a match with uh, War Raiders again, Viking Raiders. God damn it, this is gonna be brutal to go through. <laughs> uh, taking on Street Profits, which ended in a no decision. Uh, when a couple other teams jumped in the fray, the four way at Takeover will be Street Profits, Undisputed Era, Forgotten Sons, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Birch. So that's yeah, that, that's that, that's the four way. Interesting that the uh, Viking Raiders will not drop the titles. What do we think about that? I don't like that. I hate I don't really stuff like that. I don't either. I don't either. I think it makes the, you know, I thought the Street Profits should just want to love the Street Profits with all my heart and soul. I agree with you, but also if they for some reason actually make the um, Viking War Raider experience like look strong on Raw, then I don't mind. But if it's just if they're just another tag team, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, let's let's get into this Viceland documentary because this is one of the things that I most wanted to talk about tonight. talked about all of the Viceland documentaries that have aired so now there's been four of them and uh, I think we've been pretty fair on this show as far as the quality goes we had an honest discussion about the Savage one which was the first one that aired Um, two weeks ago we talked about the Bret Hart one where we kind of ripped that one to shreds which was of the four easily the worst one a lot of problems with that one if you didn't hear our broadcast episode 94 two weeks ago in the archives we spent almost a half hour on all the problems with that one but we're really high. Uh, I know I was when I first saw it on the Bruiser Brody episode. Justin was kind of in the middle on that one. Kyle really liked the Bruiser Brody episode. And now the fourth one, which debuted last night as we record this on Thursday, was on the Von Eric family. Thought was awesome. I thought it was the best of the four. I think if I ranked them one through four, this was the best one. Then Brody, then Savage. Uh, then Montreal. So if you're not familiar with the story, tragic, tragic story, obviously, of the Von Erich family, you'll get something out of watching this this show. I think if you watch this back-to-back with uh, Heroes of World Class, which was a independent 
oh, produced that documentary. documentary. God, I love that documentary. So came out much. about a decade ago. It's yeah. not WWE produced. This was independently oh, produced. Yeah, um, that's real good. And then WWE did its own documentary. WWE too. one is pretty good too. Yeah. I like Heroes of World Class a little bit better, but both are really good. Heroes of World Class is two hours and 40 minutes long. It's very thorough. It's it's really, really good. So the Von Eric documentary that aired on on viceland just kind of touched the surface of it but it was mostly just yeah. focused on the family obviously yeah. and what had no no angles did not even go into like you know christmas night 82 or the von eric freebird rivalry they no really only, it talked to you know like the debuts of some of the younger brothers it talked about the big flair and carrie von eric match at texas stadium uh mm-hmm. but yeah not a lot as far away the wrestling angles more just on the tragedy um but uh yeah, when you get when you get Kevin Von Erich doing this interview, uh, talking about all of his brothers, super emotional stuff, and uh, I mean, I think it's it's punctuated by the fact that here's a guy who once had five brothers, and he's the only he's the only yeah. one left. It's just mind blowing to think about. But uh, I thought this was a must see. Uh, so uh, you know, whether you are very familiar with the story or new to it, I think you'll get something out of it. Uh, Kyle, thoughts? Yeah, you know, when this whole concept of Dark Side of the Ring was announced, I was very interested to, you know, and I, I was pretty vocal my disappointment on the first two documentaries, particularly the Montreal one. Um, you know, to me, I thought, I don't know, these documentaries, Some their weakness, it's like, was the talking heads just trying to score points by confirming or denying popularly held urban legends concerning the stories. I, I've said that before on the show. Um, but like, to me, like I just didn't think the Savage story is as big a star as Randy Savage was. I don't think it was per- really that novel for a documentary of this kind, which was supposed to, I think is, I, I, I think at least the goal of these documentaries is to reach beyond just wrestling fans. Yeah. You know, um, the Montreal one was terrible for a variety of reasons. But like the the story, the Von Erich story and the Bruiser Brody story. That goes beyond wrestling. I mean, these are like shocking fucking stories. Like the with Brody, that a guy was murdered in the locker room. Everyone knows who did it. And that guy was just not convicted. Mm-hmm. And nothing's ever going to be done about it. The Von Erich, I mean, if I was to tell someone. Hey, you know, forget if they're wrestlers. Here's a story of six brothers. Five are dead for suicide. I mean, that is just jaw-dropping to hear that. Forget if they were a wrestling family or not. It's just, it's horrible. Um, I love world-class championship wrestling. Um, I really like it a lot. Um, You know, I've watched, I've gone back over the last year or so and watched all the 1983 TV again. It's all on the network, obviously. The heyday, it's just... Man, the emotional and you know they they try to convey it, and I think they do a good job on this one. Just kind of how big the Von Erichs were, and how much the fans love them, and like you know we're about to talk about modern WWE here in a minute, and I'm going to refer to that product as kind of emotionally vacant. World class in 1983 was the complete opposite of that, and you know um, for the for the family to for any family wrestling out to end up like that is just so horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's just so horrible. Like you you just like I, I know I'm very familiar with the story. Like I, I knew what was coming every time, and it's just like you know when Carrie when they you know talk about Carrie 
killing himself. It's just like, my God, is this horrible? Yeah, he was he was the final suicide. So there was three suicides of the brothers. Um, Mike Von Erich overdosed in 87. Um, Chris shot himself in 91. Yeah. Carrie yeah, shot himself in 93. Yep. And then way before that, David Von Erich uh, died of a medical situation in Japan. Yeah. And, and then Jackie, and then Jackie, when they were all young, you know, got electrocuted. Yeah, People he was forget young. about that. Yeah. Like a five-year-old or a three-year-old, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I did not know that until the Heroes of World Class documentary, I remember. Same. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Five of the six brothers. Yeah. So um Kevin, the surviving brother, he's got two sons that it sounds like are getting into wrestling. I have never seen either of them work. Um, but yeah, they it talked a lot about him in the show, how one resembles Kevin a lot and one looks like Carrie a lot, and that was dead on. <laughs> like like I could totally see the family resemblance. One looked like his uncle, one looked like his dad. And uh they're both in great shape. They showed him mm -hmm. um in Hawaii, where Kevin lives now in Kauai. And uh, they're just kind of wrestling, getting pointers from their their dad. It really wouldn't make you see what those guys can do. Hopefully, they can stay away from the tragedy, obviously, yeah. that has befallen this family on unspeakable terms. I mean, there is no no wrestling family that's had the tragedy that this one has. Obviously, some of it's self inflicted. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, there's really, I mean, there's, but, the, I mean, there's no family. Like, I mean, how many families in America? I mean, forget about wrestling. I mean, like, I mean, that's like Kennedy's maybe, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's like it's like pretty insane. Um, I remember too, I was thinking about, you know, you just like feel for Kevin. Remember that raw homecoming in like Oh five and he was on it. It was in Dallas. I have never been like more irrationally happy for a returning legend than I was for Kevin Von Erich when he put the iron claw, I think on Rob Conway. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, now I, and, I do and, remember and, it now. And the crowd fucking popped huge when he gave the sign for the Iron Claw. That was mm -hmm. fucking great. And, yeah. you know, Justin was like, you know, hey, man, because he really enjoyed that Dustin Rhodes-Vader match I recommended last week. A recommendation for oh, World wait, Hold on. Let me do the intro. This is going to be a, a new segment here on Top Row Nation. It's the Kyle Ross. I love this sport. Wrestling rarity of the week. Go ahead, Kyle. Okay, I'm going to look up the date here while I'm talking, but um, I'm going to recommend a world-class match. And the match itself is not great, is not like a four-star match. But if you want to understand the heat of 1983 world-class and that Von Erich Freebird feud, watch this. It is, it's on one of the April 83 TV shows on the network, and I'm going to look up the exact date um, right now. But it's David Von Erich against Terry Gordy in a handcuff match. It's exactly what it sounds like. They're handcuffed to each other while they wrestle. And it's a pretty short match. But before the match, they come back from break, and people of the crowd is just chucking shit at Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy in the ring, just throwing garbage. It's like kind of like the old NWO heyday, right? And Mark Lawrence, you know, the, the ring announcer, gets on the house. He's like, folks, if you don't stop throwing trash in the ring, and he was dead serious. This wasn't part of the show. You know, the show's over. We're gonna, like, we're not going to wrestle if you just keep throwing trash in the ring. And in one of the great psychological moves by a babyface I've ever seen, David Von Erich grabs the mic and goes, people, guys, guys, I hate the Freebirds as much as you do, but I got to ask you to stop throwing this trash because if you give them an out from the butt whip and they got coming, oh, that's going to make me. That is such a great way to play to the crowd, to get them to stop throwing trash, but to keep the heat and to make keep yourself as a babyface. Anyway, this match is super heated. Before the match, there's this fan yelling at Gordy. 
And Gordy walks out of the ring and just shoves the fan on his ass hard. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the, I mean, you will, you'll be stunned. I, I kind of shouldn't have ruined it. So they have the match and it's, it's actually not long, the match itself, but afterwards, as predict, you could guess, um, Michael Hayes returns, they handcuff David to the ropes and they start whipping him with a belt. And I'll never forget Bill Mercer going, and here's some help for David. And it's all these fans ran into the ring. <laughs> like, and like the Freebirds just knock them out. You just don't see this kind of just like visceral caring from the fan base in modern wrestling. It, 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 did they show this match in Heroes of World Class clips from it? Because I, I don't, don't know, know if I've ever seen the full thing, but I feel like I've seen part of this before. The, the, the whipping part was made the TV intro for years of the show. They always would show like Gordy's got him like held and then Hayes is whipping David with the belt. So um, the, that was in the TV intro for years, actually. But it's I didn't I never did look up what the exact week it was. David Von Erich versus Terry Gordy handcuff match Let's see here this is i bet justin join has already found it on the network as we speak <laughs> not yet <laughs> he usually is watching it before <laughs> the end of the episode something kyle has recommended april 16th 1983 episode april 16th 1983 all right guys that is the kyle ross recommendation of the week i myself after i get done editing this broadcast i'm going to turn it on tonight before i go to bed it's pretty short too i mean like it won't it's not it's not a big ask your time i think you know all the stuff it's 10 minutes by 10 minutes of your time after you watch the show or this match i should say let us know what you think of the match tweet us at top rope nation or if you got more thoughts you want to get longer form send us an email top rope nation at gmail.com and uh, we will read your thoughts on the show next next week. Let's get some listener interaction going with this new segment. And I will have something new for you to check out on next week's show. So uh, let's wrap this up with any closing thoughts on the Raw or SmackDown situation. I We've already kind of talked about it, but I know, Kyle, you said you had some some complaints you wanted to address. And maybe yeah. we can have a discussion All right. on this. So everyone's talking about this ratings decline this week. And it ain't good. When, you, when you're when you seeing 30% year over year, that's not good. Okay. You know, I, I'll defend WWE. But, I mean, right now, there is no doubt. And we all kind of touched upon it at the beginning of the show. There is an absolute post-mania malaise. Um, I think the big question is, is there something specific wrong right now with the company? Or is this a cumulative effect of not just months, maybe even years of stuff that people haven't liked. And it's led to this. Um, it feels like there is something, you know, you want to say cumulative. And it's a lot of little things. And there's a lot of little things I want to bring up from Raw and SmackDown this week I didn't like, actually. But it feels like there's something specific wrong right now. And I wanted to ask you guys, what do we think it might be? Because it's interesting. We talked about Mania. They gave the fans what they want. The two title matches at Money in the Bank are things the fans should want with AJ and Seth and Kofi and KO. So why are the fans not more into the product if they are, quote unquote, getting what they want, if you believe they are getting what they want? Is it is it part of it, the superstar shakeup? Or like kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the show where everything kind of feels meaningless or haphazardly put together i mean we still just this week are having guys just randomly show up that are like hey they got they were part of this superstar shakeup and just 
I, I, yeah, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but it's just weird. I think there's something to be said for a cumulative effect. We got into that earlier in the show about uh, pretty much since 2001, this period after mania has gotten pretty light as far as anything important happening. So you condition your fans that you have that build to mania from January to April. And that's when the company goes full mm-hmm. order. And then everything kind of falls off after that. And the, I, I think people maybe they get burned out from all the television that's produced these days. And they, they come back maybe mid summer, you know, in time for the SummerSlam build, you know, the second biggest show of the year is coming in August and maybe weather's getting nice out. They think people aren't going to be watching TV as much for a little while. And, booking falls off a little bit and you're just if you're conditioned as a fan and nothing real important happens for a little while after mania then why bother yes i agree you know december is traditionally the weakest time of wwe television but this is probably number two Mm -hmm. post mania um a couple things i'll break up it is a very wwe has become a very corporate and formulaic brand of wrestling and justin brought up the superstar shakeup i've mentioned this 72 times before and let's make it 73 i hate the superstar shakeup i hate the way it's done it's very unorganic it's just like we're just gonna like throw a bunch of guys in a hopper and they're all gonna switch and nothing really means a lot but it's just kind of the superstar shakeup is just it's like, okay, people get excited for it. Like, oh, it's the superstar shakeup, but it really doesn't change anything. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, what has really changed? Like, they're telling you it's big. But, like, what really... Like, okay, Roman Reigns on SmackDown, but even guys changing brands, it's still WWE. The brands are still booked the same, which I'm going to get to in a moment. And it, it's money in the bank to me is exhibit A, B, and C on how formulaic this company has become. You know, Bruce Pritchard on his podcast talks about there is no box of gimmicks. Well, by God, there is a box of booking tropes in WWE. You know, it's like, eight. you know, like I just can like imagine them on Raw with AJ and Seth, that main event segment. Do we do a contract signing or do we do a, you know, um, what are some of the other things they do? Do we do a face to face? You know, it's like there's all, like it's like oh okay, this has worked. You know, they're just we put them in a tag team match with random partners, so they're, yes. they're going to fight a week, a couple or, weeks. Or, out, or, yeah. or are they wacky mismatch partners that don't like each other? You know, yeah. I just feel like there's different things. So, Money in the Bank. Here's the perfect example. Okay, well, Raw. Okay, we need Raw needs four people. We're going to announce those four people. There needs to be two baby faces. There needs to be two heels. They're going to have a tag team match. SmackDown. We're going to make the announcement. There needs to be, there's going to be four people. There needs to be two baby faces. There needs to be two heels. They're going to have a tag match. The women now have to have a money in the bank match. So you've got that going on. It's kind of this, like with the men's and women's, you have, you know, just two similar patterns. You're building the, the, the same match twice, mm-hmm. basically. It's just one is men, one is women. And I think that kind of stuff, um, you know, it's just like, it's just plug and play. It's like, the WWE, it's not bad. It's it's just kind of boring sometimes yeah. and mediocre. Like, you know, I, I thought AJ did a good job in that Raw segment, the main event segment opposite Seth, but like it was so predictable. And the crowd was like dead for the start of it. And these were supposed to be two of your favorites. So uh, the things real quick that I, I had problems with um, on each show, Raw, Joe, US champ, loses again. 
you know, I, I figured it out halfway through that he was going to lose because they didn't announce it was a title match, but Meltzer's dead on. We talked about this last week. Champions lose too much. Justin brought this up early in the show. You know, we went crazy about this last week about Robert Roode beating Ricochet. Why did we go crazy? Because we didn't believe for one fucking second they were going to get behind Robert Roode. And guess what? Ricochet gets put into the Money in the Bank match after inexplicably losing, and there's no Robert Roode. Now people say, oh, it's only one week. But if you're going to get behind and start pushing a guy, Robert Roode's the kind of guy who should be on TV every week. I talk about some people don't need to be on TV every week. If you're going to push a new guy, he should be on TV every week. So that's second. And look, I brought this up again before. I'm sure they're nice guys. They do a podcast about wrestling figures, but there's a lot of nice guys who do podcasts about wrestling figures probably, and none of them should be the Raw Tag Team Champions. Ryder and Hawkins as the tag champs is like a fucking joke. I, I'm going to put my foot down about. I, I think like you just look at the Usos, the Revival, the Viking Raiders. I mean, it's not quite as bad as the B team, but it's bad. It's bad. I still like it. <laughs> I, I, I I just think I just think they're and like the whole thing too. He, here's the thing, you know, about wins like Kurt Hawkins. Okay, was this all time loser? And you ended that streak on the pre-show of WrestleMania in a tag match format. Now all of a sudden he just wins. Yeah, like, I mean it's it's indicative though of they haven't really pushed that tag division on Raw as being anything special for a long but, time. You know they kind of did have a lot of tag team segments this week, and my God, did every other tag team come across as more special? Than them. I like the Lucha House Party more than them. Ooh, I wouldn't go that far. I did. All right, moving. <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I mean, you can't have the Usos have the belts all the time. Obviously, the Usos are a much better tag team, but they just came over. I don't think they're going to have a very long reign. But no. I like it just because it's different. We talk about things being stale and the same all the time and formulaic, and at least that it's something different. And I like I like the guys on a personal level, so I I still like them having the belts at least for a little bit. For me, it doesn't feel different. It just feels like you know the B team thing again. It's just, I just, just think they're so much better than the B team, though. I love Justin Joy with all my heart and soul. <laughs> these these guys are way better than the B team. I mean, they they, are, they have more of a history are, in the they, company. They, They've been champions before, but, but it's not a championship level act. It's it's, it's 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 the same act as the B team. It's the but same but people buy them as serious performers more than the B team is what is what I'm getting at because like Ryder at one time Ryder was one of the top three most over guys in the company and they completely yeah, was, freaking blew it on that. That was 10 years ago though. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm saying that's still history though. Wrestling fans don't forget. They realize that Zack Ryder is a guy who has held multiple championships in the company, including the intercontinental title. And they've been tag team champions before too. And so Hawkins had lost 163 matches in a row. And now he's a tag team champion. I, I just, Oh, but that was a whole month ago, man. <laughs> yeah, but I just think there was a better way to break that win streak. And, and this just, I don't know, like, like, okay, when they lose the tag titles, what do you do with Kurt Hawkins? He's broken his, he's broken his losing streak. My God is just enjoy. What is he reacting to? Gordy just killed a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I was hoping that's what it was. How incredible is that? Oh my God. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, So uh, moving to tag teams over in SmackDown, who this Hardy's, you know, I talked about having them be the cornerstone of a tag division wasn't smart in 2019. They got a problem on SmackDown right now. Who do you make the tag team champions? Jesus, mm -hmm. what tag teams do they have? <laughs> uh, there's only like four. And 
you know, some people are going to say Rusev and Nakamura, but that's not a good act, and they've been buried. I think you got to go with Heavy Machinery, who at least is new. Woof. I mean, I, I don't think Heavy Machinery is a championship-level act either, but all the other teams just aren't really – they're all just been cycled through. Let me check mm-hmm. that. Let me check who the other SmackDown tag teams are because they need to just combine these tag team titles yes, to get it over with. I agree. So here's the thing: they do have it. It's just like with the women. There's enough teams to have two title, two champions. But when you over the course of a year, because you're pushing some teams, you're killing other teams, and then just by the end of the year, you just don't have that many over teams left. And if you're not bringing in new teams and you're just kind of like, you know, cycling through the same ones, it hurts. Two other things I had on SmackDown and then I'm done. Um, the Owens promo and what where they're going with him in this Kofi feud, I think is the wrong direction, in my opinion. I did not like him reinforcing Kofi, quote, is it championship material? I think fans read that as the company saying that now. Um, I thought there was a good story there about Owens' WrestleMania spot being taken by Kofi. Uh, Kofi being jealous of Kofi, what he achieved, that should have been him. That story wasn't told really at all. I think that's a mistake. Uh, the other thing I did not like on SmackDown, and this was the big one. Why Last week, I don't know why Roman Reigns was selling for Shane McMahon. This <laughs> week, why the fuck was he going 10 minutes with the B team? Speaking <laughs> of the B team. like you know, People like always bag on this Roman Reigns. Oh, this guy's so overpushed. Man, they want this guy to be the top guy, and they're having him. I know it was a hand kneecap match and they had Elias doing the gimmick but like you know it's funny we're talking about Von Erich's Freebirds okay and world class ultimately their problem spoiler alert uh, was they could never really get past Von Erich's Freebirds it's kind of like you know WCW never could get past WCW versus NWO I'm watching this segment I'm like man this is like something they would have done on like a 98 Raw with Steve Austin and it's just like this whole trope with like a McMahon stacking the deck against the top baby face. Did anyone really think the B team was going to win that match? Did anyone <laughs> did one find me one human being that was like, Oh my God, I think Roman's going to be overcome here. I don't think he's going to find me one, find me one person. That was just bad TV, man. It's getting heated. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, Leo. I'm like Leo rush. I ain't carrying around no water. <laughs> I did like that at least Kofi got a little serious later in the show because yes. it was goofy that he's coming out tossing the pancakes still yeah, after I, everything that's happened. Like, come on, this guy's got to transition to a little based on what's happened with Kevin Owens last week. Could he come out looking a little more serious? So. And, and that's part of like the formulaic stuff. It's like, oh, we have to have him throw the pancakes out. Yeah. Like, how much more would it mean if he didn't do it just one fucking week? Like, would people really be that upset? I mean, where <laughs> oh my God, I bought tickets to this SmackDown and there's no pancakes. There's no, damn it, I missed my opportunity at like <laughs> catching some fucking cold, stale ass pancake. No, I hate the WWE. Come on. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Let's hope next week we've got something more positive to talk about on the WWE yeah, this, front. This was kind of a bagging show. I mean, I I, <laughs> I feel we're fair to WWE, but man, I you know I, I think they they deserve a little criticism this week for TV and, and whatnot. Well, it's time to live in the past. Fire up the WWE Network and check out the uh, what was it, the April sixteenth, nineteen eighty three edition of World Class Championship Wrestling. It is the main event too. Just for those look, it's the last match on the show. So. 
There's your weekend wrestling fans. Uh, thanks for tuning in again this week. We'll be back with episode 97 next week. As I said, at the top of the broadcast, I'm sorry, what? Well, I, I just got a text from my wife. <laughs> Room over quote language. Oh. Lecturing me about my language. <laughs> There's a first in the history of top rovination. Kyle got so fed up with the booking on SmackDown this week. Just just text back effing Kevin Owens. I know. Did you fucking watch SmackDown, wife? No, I don't think you did. <laughs> I like how your voice got a little lower as you said that. Awesome. I'm a pussy. I'm a giant <laughs> pussy. Oh, man. All right. You want to hear more of this? Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a rating. Get the word out on Top Rope Nation. Follow us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. We're on Instagram at Top Rope Nation. We're on Facebook. And wherever podcasts are found, we'll check you guys next week in the build towards Money in the Bank. Have a good weekend.